I want to jump straight to the, uh, the text. So um, anyway, so we're going to go straight in to 1 Kings 22. And, and before I read that, I want to read one verse in Proverbs. You don't have to turn there. It's very familiar. Um, but I just I want to bring this back up. I taught on this last year. Um, in fact, I think it's been right out a year ago. And this is Proverbs 29, 18. And if you were here, this is going to sound familiar because I taught on this a long time. And it says this, where there is no uh, revelation, um, the Hebrew is, is more better translated, where there's no prophetic uh, vision or prophetic word um, or seer, where there is no seer, um, so someone who sees into the spirit realm, if you will, where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Okay. So restraint, real quick, before I go into First, uh, first Kings, that word restraint is para, para in the Hebrew, and it means to uh, bring about a lack, to get out of control, to get loose, to neglect, to uncover, or to be unrestrained, okay? So where there's no prophetic revelation, people quickly cast off, um, let's say like this, people quickly get out of control, okay? Where there's no clear prophetic vision, where there's no revelation, where there's no seer, uh, people quickly get out of control. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Okay, and I wrote this down, and then I'll go to 1 Kings. Where there is no anointing to release authentic revelation from the Lord, People quickly get in a place where they live in lack due to being out of control. Let me just say this one more time. Where there's no anointing being released in authentic revelation from the Lord, the people quickly start to live in lack due to getting out of control. There, there, is, there is things, there are things that we as a people of God can only access by way of order. Okay? And, and I'm going to go into this, but this is going to help us when we get down the road in 1 Kings. Um, what, what Solomon's writing here in Proverbs 29 is, what keeps people in a place where they are receiving from the Lord is where there is a consistent flow of prophetic revelation and authentic prophetic revelation. I think the, the most significant thing the enemy has been able to do in 2021 and in, really in the past decade is flood the church with a plethora of voices. I, I mean, I think, I think that is the number one thing that has caused the church as a whole to start shifting in ways that it was never designed to be shifted is because we have so many voices that are drowning out the clear prophetic revelation. No one knows what is clear prophetic revelation anymore. And when that happens, what happens? People quickly begin to cast off restraint or begin to get out of control. And when they get out of control, the other definition in the Hebrew is they begin to be living in a place of lack. They begin to live in a place of lack. So I believe because we have allowed ourselves to be flooded with voices, we've allowed ourselves to be flooded with information, flooded with outside revelation, okay? Because we've allowed ourselves to do that, we have found ourselves in the kingdom as a whole living in a place of lack. Not because we were designed to live in a place of lack, but because we find ourselves in lack when we remove ourselves from the order of clear prophetic flow. And I'm trying to say this the way that I, that I hear it from the Lord. And this, this will all make sense once we get to 1 Kings 22. But this has been something that has been huge in my life is streamlining the voices that I'm allowing to pour into myself personally. So what I want to talk about today is two things. I want to talk about uh, what voices we're allowing ourselves to be influenced by 
And then number two, what kind of voice we are influencing others. So two things, okay? And, and let me give you a couple of caveats. Number one, we're still talking about foundations this year. And this is a huge thing, especially in the age of podcast and YouTube and social media. And I was talking to somebody uh, last week, and I, I've talked to so many people, I forget who, but I think it was a group from USC, that you know, years ago, before the internet, let's say, um, which is hard for us to imagine, but like when I was a kid, internet was like just coming into the picture. Y'all remember the, the dial-up? Um, and if somebody was on the phone, things got really crazy. So y'all remember the day everybody had house phones, right? Um, but, you know, I remember before we got in the age of uh, the internet, people didn't seem as stressed out as they are today. I mean, I mean I'm, sure that, I'm sure they were. But like, you know what? It's because there was an ability to streamline the voices that were pouring into your life, that were influencing you. And I use the word streamline. I don't know if that's the right word to use, but I think y'all know what I'm talking about. Just, just having an orderly prophetic flow pouring into your life. And when I say prophetic, I'm not meaning like, thus saith the Lord, next year you're going to eat five pounds of tuna. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, that's awesome. What I mean by prophetic is an ability to see things in the kingdom that you can't see with the naked eye. That's what I'm talking about by, by prophetic. And so in 1 Kings 22, we see this play out brilliantly um, in a negative way, but for us, brilliantly. And, uh, and you're going to kind of see this. So I'm just going to read this. We'll take some pit stops maybe along the way, chase a lot of rabbits because it's rabbit season. And uh, I always say that when it comes time this year. It's just bad things. So uh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. 1 Kings 22, verse 1. For three years... There was no war between Aram and Israel. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went down to see the king of Israel. Now, let me point this out real quick, real quick. The reason that the writer of 1 Kings isn't calling the king of Israel Ahab is because Ahab was an awful king. He was the one that married Jezebel, right? He was the one that set up all these places of worship. I mean, one of the worst, if not the worst kings in the history of Israel. So there's a, a literary way of them basically saying he wasn't even worth mentioning by calling him the king of Israel rather than Ahab. Because if you notice, it doesn't do that with Jehoshaphat. It calls him Jehoshaphat. So, but in the third year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah went down to see the king of Israel. The king of Israel had said to his officials, Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us, and yet we are doing nothing to retake it from the king of Aram. So he asked Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight against Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, first, seek the counsel of the Lord. That is not something Ahab would do. So thank goodness Jehoshaphat's there. So the king of Israel brought together the prophets. Okay, now these, who, what kind of prophets are these? Supposed to be the prophets of the Lord. So the king of Israel brings together the prophets, and uh, I just lost my place. Okay, brought together the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, shall I go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Now, how did this start out? It started out with the king of Israel, Ahab, going, going to um, Jehoshaphat and asking him to join in, because Israel and Judah are a split kingdom at this point. So he's asking Judah to come in, join with Israel, and go fight against Aram to overtake, to retake Ramoth-Gilead. Now, Ramoth-Gilead was a Levitical city, so it was a city of priests originally. Okay? Y'all with me? I'm going to get into some, like, some stuff that I need you to hear before we get into the rest of this. So Ramoth-Gilead was a Levitical city. So a city of priests had been occupied by a foreign group, Aram. Y'all with me? Ahab says... That's our territory. We need to go retake it. So he joins in with Jehoshaphat, but Jehoshaphat, being a good king, the Bible calls him, fearing the Lord, says, first, let's seek the counsel of the Lord. Now, what did Ahab want to do? He wanted to retake Ramoth-Gilead, right? 
Y'all with me? That's Ahab's desire was to retake this city. So, he goes and grabs the 400 prophets of the Lord by label. 400 prophets of the Lord. And comes in and he says, should we go or should we not? Knowing that Ahab desired to go take this city, the prophets reply, Go, they answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no longer a prophet of the Lord here whom we can inquire of? So if you're not careful, you'll read that and you'll think, He just called 400 prophets of the Lord. So yes, right? But what Jehoshaphat is saying is, is, no, 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 no. Those guys aren't telling you the word of the Lord. They're telling you what you want to hear. Is there no longer a legitimate prophet of the Lord? And listen to what he says. The king of Israel, Ahab, answered Jehoshaphat. There is still one prophet, which is really sad because we're talking about Israel. There is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Why? Listen to this. I can so relate to this. Because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. He is Micaiah, son of Imlah. He calls the 400 prophets of the Lord who he knows will tell him what he wants to hear and ask him, should we go? He does not invite the one legitimate prophet of the Lord left in Israel. Why? Because every time Ahab goes to inquire of the Lord through this prophet, he gets a bad word. Why does he get a bad word? Not because the Lord's against him, but because the Lord's kind of against him. But he's not against him because he hates Ahab. He's against him because Ahab has turned away from the Lord. And if you read all throughout the Old Testament leading up to this, what do we know about this? They're in a covenant. What happens if you break covenant? You break covenant. So if I decide one day, you know what? I want to go jump in covenant with another wife. What happens? All of a sudden, my covenant with my wife is broken. So all the benefits that I had in covenant with my wife are now put on hold until I repair the covenant. So Ahab has broken covenant with the Lord. He's married Jezebel. They completely turned away from the Lord's ways and have worshipped this metal image. And he wonders why every time he goes to Micaiah, who fears the Lord, seems like the only one left, that he prophesies negatively against him. It's not because the Lord's against him because he's just, I'm feeling like I'm against Ahab today. It's because Ahab has broken covenant, right? Okay. So I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me. The king should not say such a thing, Jehoshaphat replied. Verse 9. So the king of Israel called one of his officials and said, Bring Micaiah, son of Imlah, at once. Dressed in their royal robes, the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones at the threshing floor by the entrance of the gate of Samaria. With all the prophets... This is the 400 who told him what he wanted to hear. With all the prophets prophesying before them. Now Zedekiah, son of Kenana, uh, had made iron horns, and he declared. Listen, now listen to this. This is what the Lord says. Now if you're going to say what the Lord says, it better be what the Lord says. Let he who has an ear hear. This is what the Lord says. With these, you will gore the Arminians until they are destroyed. Now, that sounds like a good prophetic word, right? Real imagery, you know. Verse 12, all the other prophets were prophesying the same thing. Attack Ramoth Gilead and be victorious, they said, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. Verse 13, the messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, now listen to what he says, look, the other prophets, the other prophets, without exception, are predicting success for the king. Let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. Ooh, we about to get some good stuff. 
When you get in there, you better tell him what he wants to hear. I know about you. You prophesy stuff against him all the time. When you get in front of that king, you don't tell him what the Lord told you. You tell him what he wants. I had a lot of stuff written down right here about um, seminary, but I think I might skip this. Um, I'm just joking. But, th- but this, is, this is what, right? We, we, we train people to, to teach what is going to be broadly accepted by our culture. This is what we've become, right? Right? We don't, don't go into that. Don't go into the, the kingdom stuff. Don't go into your kingdom come stuff. Stay right on the edge that people feel like they can escape. I mean, you fill in the blank, whatever. And, you know, man, we'll teach on love. It's love, 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 love. What we don't teach on is what love looks like. Because sometimes the Lord disciplines those he loves. So, let your word agree with theirs and speak favorably. 14. But Micaiah said, as surely as the Lord lives, I can only tell, I can, excuse me, I can tell him only what the Lord tells me. And that guy starts sweating. They're like, Lord, here we go. Verse 15, when he arrived, the king asked him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or not? Now listen to what he says. At first, he falls in line. Attack and be victorious, he answered, for the Lord will give it into the king's hand. And the king said to him, how many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he starts talking the truth. Then Micaiah answered, verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, these people have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you he never prophesies anything good about me, but only bad? And Micaiah continues, he's like, that ain't all. Now, I want you to hear what he's, this next part fires me up. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne with the multitudes of heaven standing around him on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab into attacking Ramoth Gilead and going to his death there? One suggested this and another suggested that. Finally, a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. Listen to this. Listen to this. By what means, the Lord asked, I will go out and be a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all his prophets. You will succeed in enticing him, said the Lord. Go and do it. So now... The Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouths of all these prophets of yours. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, son of Kenina, who was given this big prophetic word a few verses earlier, went up and slapped Micaiah in the face. Which, you ready for this? Some of y'all never read 1 Kings. Which way? Whew! Which way did the Spirit of the Lord go when He went from me to speak to you? Where did the Spirit of the Lord go that gave you that word? Micaiah replied, You will find him or you will find out on the day you go to hide in an inner room. The king of Israel then ordered, take Micaiah, send him uh, back to Ammon, the ruler of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, this is what the king says, put this fellow in prison and give him nothing but bread and water until I return safely, which he never does. Micaiah declared, if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he added, mark my words, all you people. And they take him to jail. And guess what happens? Ahab dies, they get routed, you know, the whole nine yards. Ahab brings in the 400 prophets of the Lord who all tell him what he wants to hear, okay? Ahab responds to bringing in the one legitimate, authentic voice 
by saying, I hate him because he never prophesies any good. Micaiah means one who is like Yahweh. This is what the name means. One who is like Yahweh. We could say, we could say that Micaiah was literally an image bearer. One who is like or in the likeness of Yahweh is who Micaiah is, okay? So we could say he's literally an image bearer. He never prophesies anything good because he's a legitimate prophet and Ahab had rejected the Lord. While they're waiting on Micaiah, all the other prophets are saying, go, 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 and the Lord will give you victory. Not because that was the word of the Lord, but because that's what Ahab wanted to hear. And as we're seeing through this, as we're seeing through this, going with their advice ended in his death. I've been writing a, a book, and, and I wrote a chapter on timing, and I was so tempted to go into it today, but I think I need another week to, to do a little more um, prayer and studying. But I did write this down. I think this is really, really uh, relevant to what we're talking about. Our, our culture today, and I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about just, just society. Our culture today, we would rather have something quick and wrong than something slow and right. We, we would rather have something that's quick and ends in our death, spiritually or literally, than we want to have patient trust for what is actually right. Well, Josh, how do you know this? Because every single, every single model to build a church today has to do with doing something quick. And my issue with that is that we are 2,000 years removed from when Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And guess what hasn't reached its fullness yet? That prayer. It's taken 2,000 years, right? 2,000 years. And it still hasn't brought into... Because the Lord is patient. He's not slow. This is what uh, Second. I'm going to preach my message right now. This is what Second Peter says. It says, a thousand days are like one to the Lord. A thousand days are like one to the Lord. We'll sit around and wait 25 minutes and then start trying to make it happen on our own. And we'll try to find somebody who will sanction us making it happen on our own like Ahab. We don't care what the Lord has to say. We care who's going to say something in the name of the Lord that we want to hear. Those aren't the same things. So I could preach about us saving the city all day long because that's what everybody wants to hear. But what has to happen before we save the city is you and I being convinced we're fully saved. That ain't what everybody wants to hear. Because it takes time. It takes progress. It takes people raising kids. It takes people being in families that are convinced of this. It takes us having grandkids that are burning for the Lord rather than having to relearn everything that they were never taught because the grandparents thought we were doing this fast because we weren't going to be here in that generation anyway. I think, I think our gener this, the majority of the generation in this room, not everybody, I think the majority of the generation in this room was not designed to figure out your identity. I think 10 generations ago, they were designed to figure out their identity, and we were designed for glory to glory to glory to glory, having grown up being convinced of our identity. But what we're seeing today is the result of go, 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 go. Don't care what the Lord says. Don't care what the Lord wants to do. We're going to build it. We're going to build it fast, and we're going to build it in the name of the Lord. And this is the result is that I'm sitting in a room teaching you what is orthodox on a weekly basis that no one halfway believes outside of this room. You know why? Not because it's wrong. It's orthodox. But because we have been so ingrained in a culture that does things a certain way, even if it's wrong, we'd rather continue the progress and continue the path, even if it means we're going down the wrong road. And anything but the 100% right road is the wrong road. You could be going one, we taught this, you could be going one degree off of true north for a long time and not even notice it. But when you get 500 miles down the road, guess what? You're in a totally different city. So Ahab calls the prophets in 
and he asked 400 of them, what do we do? Knowing they're probably going to be put to death if they don't tell him what he wants to hear. This, this, is, this is what's happening to our leaders today. And I, I taught this on a Tuesday night. We, there are pastors who are amazing leaders and amazing fathers and amazing mothers that are doing ministry like they're doing ministry, not because they want to, but because their people have said, we'll kill you, we'll put you out of ministry if you don't tell us what, you, what we want to hear. So there are pastors that aren't operating within the anointing that would actually unleash freedom in the people that they are fathering or mothering over. We have pastors that are simply giving people what they want to hear because if not, they won't be able to put bread on the table for their families. We'll stop giving if you tell us what convicts us. But, but this, this is where we are. This is where we are. And so what the Lord is doing is He's calling the church back to its first love, which means I want to feel my toes stomped on if they need to be stomped on for me to get to glory to glory. That's what I want to feel. I want fathers in my life that don't tell me what I want to hear, but tell me what I need to hear in order for me to taste life to the full. This is what I want. I don't want to be comfortable. I want to be free. Those are not the same things, right? I'm with my wife. She's an amazing wife. And you know what I didn't do for five years before I met her? Date anybody. Why? Because I refused to settle for something that I wasn't designed for. I mean, right? Some of y'all haven't had somebody to date in a year, and you're like, man, this is taking a long time. You might be waiting a few more years. But who cares? A thousand days to the Lord, and we're not operating. If you're saved, you're not operating on this time thing anymore. Right? And I'm going to teach on this so much coming up. But if a thousand days to the Lord are as one, he's time, timeless is, is he operates in a dimension, in a reality that is timeless. So Second Peter says he's not slow in fulfilling his word because slowness or fastness can only be measured in time. But patience can't be measured by time. Patience can only be measured by purpose. So if I'm operating in a timed dimension like everyone else in our world is, unbelievers, if I'm operating in this, if it takes about a year or two or three months or longer than I think, I'll start saying, Lord, where in the world are you? Because I'm judging his faithfulness based on a measurement that he doesn't even operate on. But if I'm living glory to glory, co-seated with Jesus, died with Jesus, and raised to life with Jesus in an eternal dimension, now it doesn't matter how long it takes as long as it's done right. So I don't want something quick. I want something done Right, even if it means it takes five times as long as it would if it was done wrong but quick. So this is why I'm planning for ten generations from now when I won't be here anymore. You know why? Because in order for the Lord to fulfill some of the stuff he's given me, it's going to take ten generations. Y'all were amening before, and you're not amening now. You know why? Because this is our mindset. I start talking about us here and now, and you getting married, and you finding a relationship, and it's amen. I start talking about 10 generations when all of us aren't here anymore, and all of a sudden it's like, well, hold up, hold up one second. But, but this is what we're doing. Every believer needs to answer this question. Do you want to hear what you want to hear, even if it costs you your life? Or do you want to hear what you need to hear if it means attaining life by dying to your own plans? If Ahab 
had heard the word, the authentic word of the Lord from Micaiah, if he had heard that and said, you know what, that's the Lord, we should probably not go to war with these guys. Guess what? Wouldn't have died. But instead, he was stubborn and said, man, all that guy wants is to bring destruction on me. He's always stepping on my toes. Let's go. Like, let's go with all these other guys. And what happens? He ends up dead. His body eaten up by dogs. In verse 13, Micaiah is told to say what Ahab wants to hear, and he does initially. This, this is why, right here, I, I believe we need a revision of how we raise people up to do ministry. I believe we need to teach people not what to say or what to think, but we've got to get to the place, like I've been saying this whole year with this foundation, foundational stuff, how to get into the place with the Lord that they know how to think and teach for themselves. So like, like for Ellington, for example, him leading worship. I do not sit here every single day and tell him, you need to do this, 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 and then you'll be a great worship leader. No. I'm continually pushing him deeper in the secret place, trusting that there he'll find the access to being a great worship leader. It's drastically different. Matt, when he preached, he told me this stuff about Noah, and he was like, all right, what do you want me to teach? Don't care. Just give whatever the Lord gives you. Right? Because we've, we've got, if, if, the, if these 400 prophets had been brought in and said, I want you to tell me what the Lord says, even if it hurts my feelings and goes against what I want, all those prophets would have probably started prophesying something different. We teach people to conform rather than release them to be wild and free. He prophesies that he sees Israel scattered and Ahab dead which comes to pass later in the chapter, if you keep reading. Then the Lord inspires him to address the Spirit, causing the prophets to speak from a wrong motive. He says, The Lord allowed a deceiving spirit to be put in the mouths of the prophets, that the Lord sent to end Ahab's reign of turning the people away from the Lord. The Hebrew word right there for the deceiving spirit is shekur, and means, which is a really weird word to pronounce, but that's how it's pronounced. Sounds a little southern, but it means deception, okay? So a deceiving spirit. That word deceiving means deception or deceiving. It means a disappointing spirit, a falsehood spirit, a lying spirit. Listen to this. A spirit that gives false hope. A spirit that gives false visions and a spirit that brings shame. This is what this means, okay? Okay? So every single word spoken by a pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, or apostle, or anybody else in between is on behalf of the Lord and therefore prophetic in nature and substance. Okay? This is really deep, but I just... just Every word spoken by a pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, apostle, somebody in the church is on behalf of the word. Lord, I'm teaching you today on behalf of the Lord. I'm unveiling scripture to you. And because of that, it is prophetic in nature and substance. You with me? Okay. So I, I believe the Lord has allowed a spirit of false hope which is hope found in anything but the blinding light of his presence, to infiltrate our culture, particularly in the West, because there are kings who have turned people to the worship of false gods that Yahweh desires to remove the kingdom from. Let me, let me just say this one more time, one more time. I believe the Lord has allowed a spirit of false Hope. What is false hope? It's hope found in anything but Jesus. I believe the Lord has allowed this spirit of false hope to infiltrate our culture, particularly in the West, because there are kings 
who have turned people to the worship of false gods that Yahweh desires to remove the kingdom from. Jesus is truth. Jesus is hope. Which means if it did not come from and is not sustained by Jesus, it is not truth and it is not hope. This is why, and I said this last week, but this is kind of where the Lord's leading us. This is why it is critical that we get singular in heart. Our world is completely devoid of hope right now. It always has been. Devoid of hope. It's full of false hope, but it's devoid of true hope. But if we fill our world, if we fill it with false hope, because it's devoid of real hope, all we're doing is transferring the issue to another issue. So it might feel like we have hope, but what we have is just another impoverished mindset that feels like hope, but is never filling. That's why I believe, I believe in 2019 our churches were more full than ever, yet our world was more lost than ever. In 2019, now it's not the case now, but in 2019, we had more churches, more filled than ever before in America. And yet America was still looking for an election to save us. <laughs> I just, that just felt good. Sometimes I got to throw that stuff in there. Right? I mean... It's not like we're lacking in people. It's not like we're lacking in believers. You walk down the street, I guarantee you 100% of the people you ask in Columbia, South Carolina, if they're saved, they'll tell you yes. So we're, we're not, it's not like we're lacking in people who have prayed the prayer. I believe what we're lacking in is the spirit that says we want his kingdom to come even if it means my kingdoms have to die first. Attendance is not revival. Presence is revival. Why do I teach this stuff? I teach this stuff because what I'm really doing is telling you the DNA of our church. This is what I'm, actually, I'm teaching. I'm te- we're, at, we as a church, our DNA is presence. I mean, I was, I was sitting down with a group from USC this week. And, um, and they're like, you know, man, what, what do you guys... What are, what are y'all all about? What's your vision? And, uh, which is kind of funny. I love when people ask that. Uh, what's your vision? And uh, it's a, this is a popular thing right now. And um, Jesus. Yeah, you know, we get that. But like, but like, what's your, you know, like vision statement or whatever? I'm like, Jesus, that's it. Uh, we don't got a vision statement, you know. And uh, what about where there's no vision, the people perish? There is vision. Jesus. And that's it. That's it. There's no vision, you know. Uh, I know I lo- love God, love people. I love that. That's amazing. Um, but the way we're going to love God and the way we're going to love people is Jesus. You know, I mean, you know what I mean? It's all we do. And, uh, and so we, but, 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 but that, that is, like I say all the time, an amazing thing to say and a good amen-like statement. Amen, brothers. It is all about Jesus. Until we get to the place where we are exclusively presence-oriented and trust that when he said where he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. That's the way we're going to change Columbia. Is by building a house for him to live in where when he is lifted up, he begins to draw all men unto himself. None of you are in this room because I gave out a bunch of flyers. All of you are in this room because the presence of the Lord brought you to a place where his presence is tangible and real in worship. Do you see this? And so what it's giving birth to is is not a huge church every single week. We're not blowing up by 100% every week, which is amazing. That's great. But what we are is you're being convinced of who you are, and I'm being convinced of who I am, and all of us are being convinced that he is who he says he is. Right? And when that happens, when that happens, evangelism is effortless. It should be. How many of you believe Jesus exerted any effort in bringing anybody into the kingdom? You'd have to find something in the Apocrypha or something because it ain't in Bible. 
It was effortless. Because he was carrying a measure of presence on his life that when he encountered somebody made them say something's different about this man. In verse 26 through 28, Micaiah is thrown in jail for speaking the word of the Lord. What I'm talking about is not how we gain popularity, but how we gain everything our DNA was designed for. By, by giving the word of the Lord, Micaiah is thrown in jail. The other prophets, by giving him what he wanted to hear, are exalted to the place beside the king. Are you a voice that speaks what those around you want to hear or what those around you need to hear? Y'all get real quiet sometimes. Are you listening to voices who tell you what you want to hear or what you need to hear? I said this last week. The most difficult thing for me since we started has been to teach what is true to originality but flies in the face of modernity. Just if you don't know what that means. The most difficult thing for me since we started has been to teach what is true to the early church, the original gospel, but flies in the face of the modern gospel. The most difficult thing ever. Because a lot of you will hear some of this stuff and you'll say, I'm not sure about that. Man, that secret place stuff, you know, I, I've never heard that before in my life. Solely because it's not what you were taught growing up. But as we learned in this story, there were four hundred prophets giving false hope and one giving the word of the Lord. Y'all just stick with me for a second. Stick with me for a second. Stick, because every one of you in this room are authentic voices, okay? There are 400 prophets giving false hope on behalf of the Lord. There is one giving the word of the Lord. Us speaking on behalf of the Lord and carrying the true word of the Lord are two different things. Would you agree with that? I would hope. Okay. So, so me carrying the word of the Lord is different than me giving you what I think you want to hear in the name of the Lord. The people you're around in your lives. And this is easy for me because I got a church. Okay? I'll be honest with you. It's a lot more difficult when you're at a job that is not a church. Okay? So I'll just give you that. I know that. But with the people that you're around, your family, whatever, are, are we settling for a reality that we avoid conflict or that we avoid the potential of offending someone? at the expense of their freedom. Oh, man. This chair is so squeaky. I, so I have this conversation back and forth all throughout all my messages of what to say and what not to say. And this is the conversation I'm having right now. But today, today, uh, all that we get are voices being shoved down our ears all day long, nonstop. Which is why in our worship night last Saturday, there was a moment where everything went silent and the majority of the people in the room felt compelled to fill the silence with singing. Not a bad thing. Just an inferior thing. Why? Even, even right now, if I, if I stopped talking for 15 seconds, you'd start squirming like nobody's business on the inside. Why? Because all we do is hear voices. That's all we do. Voices, voices, voices. 
Half the reason why you, if you're anxious, or if you're not, anybody watching this, half the reason you're anxious is not because of anything that has to do with you. It's because of an outside influence that you've heard. For example, if you're 25 years old and you're not married yet, why in the world would you stress about that unless you know of other 25-year-olds who are married and have kids? Right? Okay. Or let's say you're not as advanced in your career as other people around you. Why would you ever stress about that unless, unless you're comparing that to outside voices that have said you should be here by now? Right? So because we are just infiltrated with voices and voices and voices and voices. Let me say, if you watch the news, if you watch the news, none of what you hear has anything to do with delivering news. It has everything to do with gaining ratings to pay the bill to have a news station. Right? I mean, that's just how, that's how television works. Okay? So I don't want to deliver you the truth. I want to deliver you what gets me ads because of my viewers who are buying into what I'm saying as actual truth. This is how January 6th happened. Not because there's any truth. Lord, I'm stepping on something right now. But because people listened to an outside voice for so long, they believed it was truth. Right? Why, when we start talking about the kingdom, do people start running the other way? Not because it's not truth, but because we've been taught so long that our home is way out there in outer space that we forgot our home's actually here, and what we also forgot was his home is actually here. Woo! I, I, love, I love getting into this stuff. Because I love, but I, lo I love flying in the face of what we bought into. We, we're, all, we're all trying to get out, and he's trying to get in. And some of y'all are going to pass him on his way in. And you're going to be real surprised when you're standing in outer space floating around with a harp and he's reigning on the earth with you and I who have been convinced that this is his home. That when he said this is good and he walked in the cool of the day, he meant that it was good and he wanted to walk in the cool of the day. <laughs> this is what we're talking about, right? But none of y'all believe. None of y'all grew up be believing this, and half of y'all are hearing this and still don't believe it. Not because it's not in here. It is. I've read it thousands of times. But because we have been convinced that we want voices that tell us what we want to hear, we see the world as bad. God never called it bad. You show me what God never called the world bad. And if he did, he had complete authority to blow it up before we got here. In, in, Gen, man, man, in Genesis 6, it says that he's, and I'm, I'm not going to teach your message. In Genesis 6, in Genesis 6, God says he's sorry he created everything. And yet he found one righteous man. And because he found one righteous man, instead of destroying the globe, which he never wants to do, never wanted to do, never wants to do, never will do. Instead of destroying the globe, he instead removed the unrighteous ones so that the righteous one could repopulate the globe. Ahab, the king, is looking for a voice that's telling him what's comfortable. And what he wants. What Ahab was designed for was a voice to tell him to get back in covenant. That, that's the voice of Elijah and Elisha. What you and I are called to be a part of in what all generations have been called to be a part of, but now what we're called to be a part of, is shifting the standard to honoring truth above comfort. But here's what I mean by this. Here's what I mean by this. 
Okay? Because the Lord doesn't deliver truth in the way that we think the Lord delivers truth. So what I'm not talking about is you walking around telling people that they're awful and they're lost and they're doing this. But I'm talking about you showing the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. And the only way that you can show the kindness of God that leads men to repentance is if you get in the place where you're actually authentic. So, so your image, your authentic image, which is, as Genesis says, in the image of God, your authentic image is the only way that you can shed abroad the image of God, which is kindness, which is love, which is hope. That's the only way, right? So it's not what you say that is primarily where truth is found. It's who you are primarily where truth is found. And if who you are is where truth is found, then what flows from the mouth is coming from where? The heart. So, Because when I say truth, when I say truth, a lot of y'all hear that and you think, well, yes, that's permission to go out and just rip people to shreds. No, no, no. That's permission to, let me just read this one more time. Here's what it's permission to do. Zedekiah, son of Kenana, uh, excuse me, such a weird name, went up, slapped Micaiah in the face and said, which way did the spirit from the Lord go when he went from you, from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, you will find out on the day you go to hide in an inner room. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us getting to a place, getting to a place where what flows from our mouth is truth by way of our transformation in hiding. So if I get up here and give you all the orthodox truth that I could possibly give you, and yet I haven't allowed myself to be transformed in the secret place, it means nothing. That's what Paul says. He says, if I give you all wisdom that's ever been known and speak in the tongue, but I don't have love, I am nothing but a banging gong. That's what he says. So I could give you truth and truth and truth and truth and truth. But if I haven't become truth, it's nothing. But if I have become truth, now everything that flows from my mouth is truth. Where there's no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. The other translation of prophetic vision is seer which is an individual who carries the word of the Lord or a prophet who carries the word of the Lord, right? Where there is no people carrying the word of the Lord, the authentic word of the Lord, the people quickly wander astray. So I, I believe, I believe where we are headed, let me just give you a little glimpse into this. I believe what Yahweh is doing right now is he's messing with number one, and I'm going to teach this coming up, how we view time. how we view time, particularly why we still view time. That's number one. Because the only reason I would be in a hurry for anything is if I'm judging everything based off a clock. And if you've been here at any point in time, I don't judge anything off a clock. <laughs> you know? And that, and that in and of itself has become a screen door. If I preach 30-minute sermons, we'd be packed. No big deal. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. <laughs> Anytime you want to amen, you can. <laughs> right? We would. Y'all get to Cracker Barrel before all the wait list gets filled up? Who still goes to Cracker Barrel? No, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. But when I was growing up, that's all we did. Sunday, we went to church and went to Cracker Barrel. Back when Shoney's was a thing, we went to church and then went to Shoney's. <laughs> and then after that, I prayed like I ain't never prayed before because I thought I was dying. But, you know, whew, you want to lose some weight, just go eat Shoney's. But, um, but it's good. It's good. Do we still have a Shoney's? No, they closed now. We do? Garners, that's right. That's right. We do. We do. Me and Jordan actually had there one time. I didn't know it was still open. Um. All right, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. So, so why, why is this important? Because primarily, the word that the Lord wants to speak to you personally is not sometimes going to be what you want to hear. 
But sometimes we have an ear to hear what we want to hear and no ear to hear what we don't want to hear that is actually what we need to hear. So if I'm going into the secret place with my agenda and I'm telling the Lord to do this and this and this and that, you said ask and receive. So this, here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. And then he, in love, begins to tell me, I've actually got something that you're designed for that is so much more superior than what you've asked for. I'm not going to give you what you've asked for. I don't want to hear that. I plan my life around what I've asked for. Lord, I mean, Lord, this, this, I, we hear, I hear this all the time. Lord, this relationship ain't working out. And the Lord told you to wait. <laughs> Man, I'm just, I'm just, just running from the Lord right now. I feel like I don't have any kind of relationship with Him. Um, Lord told you, didn't tell you to get into that. I hate, I, man, I, I just hate my job. I don't know if the Lord told you to get that job. But, but this is what, right, right? It's like, Lord, Lord, we, we pray that the Lord will bless stuff that he never told us to get into. And we've got to get to the place where instead of getting into things on our own and then asking the Lord to tell us what we want to hear, instead we get to the place where he tells us what we need to hear so that we don't get into things we were never designed to get into. Right? And so this is why I'm teaching this today because coming up, the Lord's going to send us into a season where he's going to teach us a lot of stuff that we need to hear that's going to unlock stuff you've never seen before. But some of that is not going to be what you want Natu uh, at first. I believe it can shift what you want because it has for me. I used to want to be a big superstar minister. I, that's all I ever wanted to do. <laughs> right? That's literally all I wanted in life was to be the most famous worship leader and uh, make my way to either Hillsong or Elevation or somewhere like that. That's what I wanted to do. Now, today, today, if somebody came to me with a record deal for $5 million and said, you can do this, you just got to lay down this church, you know what I tell them? I wouldn't have to pray about it. No. Jordan's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know? But so, so the Lord, you know what I want now? I want my daughter to know who Jesus is. That's all I care about. I care about, I want you to know who Jesus is. That's all I care about. And if we get a big church in the process, the Lord's going to have to do that because I sure ain't. But, but we're going to have big people. That's my responsibility. If the Lord wants to give us 50,000, he'll give us 50,000. My responsibility is to make sure either he gives us five or 50,000, whoever he gives us become big people. That's my design. That's your design. I'm called to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which means when we leave this room and go to lunch, guess what happens? The work of the ministry. So we equip, and then we, we go work, right? But in that equipping, the Lord wants to speak stuff to us. And to me, this is what's been happening to me. He wants to speak stuff to us that is going to redefine how we think altogether but we've got to give him the grace to be able to speak that stuff and us take the wild and free journey that we can't see what's coming up next. Like, I, I want the Lord to send us into a cloud that we can't see five feet in front of us, but we're holding on to his hand and he's leading us into things we would have never driven into because we couldn't see five feet in front of us. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, th this, is, this is it. This is it. This is your kingdom come. You think when Jesus showed up and all the disciples, and, and you all know this answer, so this is just hypothetical. But when Jesus showed up, the disciples are thinking, praise the Lord, we're about to go fight the Romans. They've been kicking our tail. But now a man in the line of David's here. He's about to take up David's sword, and we're going to get some Romans. That's what they thought. And then Jesus is walking around saying stuff like this. He's got thousands of people following him at this point. Thousands. They've got to be thinking, we got an army, y'all. We're we about to go be some Romans. He wakes up the next day. They all come back eager, and the disciples are like, yes, this is getting so good, so good. And then Jesus says, hey, y'all come close. <laughs> right? Eat my flesh. <laughs> right? I mean, the, seriously, I, the disciples have got to be, Jesus, Lord, like, <laughs> Lord, you know, 
help us. I mean, they're all leaving. And then Jesus turns around and says, y'all going to leave too? I just want a moment like that. That's what I want. That's what I want one moment where the Lord speaks something and just people start getting up and I turn around, look at y'all and say, y'all going to leave too? <laughs> I'm not there yet, you know, but maybe one day. I just think it'd be so cool. And then the next week, you know, we'd start <laughs> having to find a job. But, um, you know, you know, hopefully we're, we're past that. But can you imagine this? But this is what Jesus does, right? Not because, not because he didn't want those thousands of people. That wasn't, but because he had in mind a kingdom that looked very different than what they thought it was going to look like. Very different. And so what he said made them very weirded out, yet it gave 12 an invitation to taste what they had heard before. Do you see this? So for thousands of people, they heard this man's weird. For 12, they heard, we can eat it now. Of course he wasn't saying, eat my flesh. Right? But where there's no clear prophetic vision... People quickly wander astray. He wasn't telling them, eat my flesh. But he was telling the ones that had the ears to hear when he said, eat my flesh, they knew what he meant. Access into what the other thousands that only wanted to hear what he, what they wanted. He was giving the 12 access to what the 20, 30, 50,000 couldn't have access to in a dimension where they only were open to hearing what they wanted to hear. They wanted to hear Jesus say, all right, where's the fishes and loaves? Let's feed everybody again. That's, what, that's the reason they showed up. They showed back up so that he would feed them again because he had just feed, fed the 5,000 men, probably 20, 30,000 people altogether. So they showed up to get fed again, and he fed them. But this time, it wasn't something temporary. This time, the feeding was access into eternal realities. When he was feeding them bread, they were game. When he was feeding them the kingdom, they all turned and left. Jesus, Jesus was looking for the 12 that had ears to hear, not the thousands who had full bellies. And the ones who had ears to hear, guess what they got? Full bellies. Right? He goes to the woman at the well, drink of me, you'll never thirst again. But if you keep drinking from this, you'll be thirsty every day. So I'm rambling because I love this. But this is, what, this is where we're going. We're going into a place that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has comprehended. Paul prophesied that. That's where we're going. It's where we should have been all along. But as we go into this, I just I want us to give God, not me, okay? I'm just an instrument, so it has nothing to do with me, okay? I don't care if you like what I say or don't like what I say. I'm just an instrument. Take it up with him. But what I do care about is us having the grace to receive whispers that we never had the grace to receive before. We, we wanted him to tell us where our spouse was. And I keep hitting on this because a lot of y'all are single. We wanted, we, we wanted him to tell us where our spouse was. We did not want him to tell us what we need to fix in order to find a spouse first. Right? And so where we're going is into a season. We wanted him to tell us what to do with our money. We wanted him to tell us what to do with our careers. We wanted him to tell us where to go apply for a job. What we did not want him to do is dig into the stuff that we haven't dealt with yet to make us free before we step into the job or before we step into holding his money or before we step into the relationship. And that's the stuff that we've got to give him the grace to come into our lives and start messing with if we're going to see what we're about to see. That's the only way. The only way we're going to see what's coming up next is if we allow him to go a step deeper than the surface and start pulling up the stuff that you didn't want him to pull up before. And I'm talking about me. I didn't want him to go start digging with fear of man again. I'd shove that down far enough. And yet, as I start encountering him in the past month, two months, guess what he has started to deal with again? Fear of man. You know why? Because I ain't free from it. I'm, cl I'm closer than I've ever been, but I am not fully free from that. 
And in order for us to go where we're going, I've got to be totally free from that. And that's me as your pastor. So like for all of us, I'm going to pray. Matt, you can go ahead and come back up here. But I'm going to pray, and, uh, and then that's it. We're going to roll. Um, and if you want to come up and pray, you can. But I just feel like I want to, I want to end it with this. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you as I'm praying to pray and let the Lord show you the stuff in your life that you feel like he wants to deal with in you that you have kept off limits from him. And I, I want to also give you the grace, and I'm going to say this too, to streamline the voices you're listening to. And when I say listening to, I mean being influenced by. Okay? If you, if you get anxious watching the news, turn it off. I mean, if, if, you, if you listen to a certain kind of music and that gets you into a place that's not a great place, turn it off. Whatever that is. But we've got to streamline the voices that are influencing us so that the Lord's voice, that is the only one that should be influencing us, can be clear and free to do what he wants to do. The enemy doesn't have to get you to go out and kill somebody or go out and do some big crazy sin. All he's got to do is get you to turn on 25 different voices that will drown out the one voice you were actually made to hear. And that does sometimes more damage than the other stuff. You'll start believing stuff because you heard it on a podcast or because you heard me preach it rather than believing stuff because that's what he whispered to you in the secret place. If you believe what you believe because you've heard me preach it and that's your only basis for believing it, okay, I'll give you as much truth as I possibly can. I do not desire to be the basis for your belief. His name is Jesus. All I desire to do is to give you a clearer picture this week of Jesus than you had last week. That's all. So whatever you believe about your life, whatever you believe about your identity, whatever you believe about relationships, whatever you believe about your career, whatever you believe that did not originate in Jesus, that's the stuff in this season he's coming after.